Good morning. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Pastor Rob is fulfilling his responsibility as a chaplain in the Navy this weekend, so uh, I am taking his place uh, this morning, and I will be teaching this evening as well. Romans chapter 12 is where we want to uh, look at our thoughts for today. Keep something in there because we're going to keep flipping back to this place so that we might be able to uh, have this call it a launching pad as we look at the scriptures together. You know, of course, this time of year is a very festive time. It's a joyful time. Uh, people are more sharing and giving and cheerful uh, this time of year than perhaps any time of year that I've uh, experienced. Uh, it's time, of course, when uh, families get together uh, with friends and relatives. It's just a, a festive time of year. Uh, there's lights all over. We even started calling it a Christmas tree once again in downtown uh, Providence. All these things are part of this time of year. But you recognize, of course, it can be a very difficult time of year uh, for many. Uh, you think of people who have lost loved ones. And then there are those folks who are struggling with uh, family problems and personalities and relationships. It, it can be a difficult time of year. Those, of course, who have health issues. It's a tough time of year. Some are just in constant pain. And then you look around you, and there's the pressures of finances. And uh, this time of year certainly um, brings some heartache. Some people in January open up their Discover bill and discover what's in there. And it's <laughs> just, you know, what did I do? Why did I ever do such a thing? And we have all these pressures that are upon us. And, uh, the pressure of the world can be debilitating to us um, when you look around you and you see the functioning of this world system. And uh, sometimes we don't know where we stand or really uh, what we should do or how, how can I work this out in such a complex world. Well, God has some message for us that goes back to the beginning of the Bible itself and that he lets us know that he wants us not to fix our eyes upon this world. We're here, for sure. We're citizens of the United States. We're thankful for that, if you are, of course. We are, um, we are uh, members of planet Earth. We're, we're, we're all these things, and we're thankful for life and breath. And yet, God says there's so much more that he wants us to set our affections upon. Now, again, keep something in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 for a moment. Colossians chapter 3. God has something in mind for us. I believe Colossians 3 is a passage of scripture that every, every single born-again believer should commit to memory because we need it constantly in this present age in which we live, an age that, by the way, is controlled, according to 1 John 5, by the wicked one. We're in Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. I'm reading from a modified type King James Bible. And Colossians 3 and verse 1. Since, since you are risen with Christ, keep on seeking those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. 
Keep on seeking those things which are above. Why? The world is a difficult place. God knows that. He told us that. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, In this world you shall have troubles, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So the world that we live in is not going to be the most pleasant place all the time. And uh, mostly, I would say, it's not going to be a pleasant place a lot of the time. And yet God tells us in his word that we should set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because the earth is going to produce problems. Problems. And so God gives us a prescription, if you would, how to live on this earth as a Christian, what to do on this earth as a Christian. And he wants us to set our affections, your, your, your emotions, all of your being, your soul, he wants us to set that on what he has to say, not on the dictates of men. The dictates of men, we must obey the laws of our land, we recognize that, there are certain procedures we have to perform at work, we recognize all of that thing, but God wants us to make sure that we're not running our life on emotion, but on the directives from his word. Now, there are many, many people who run on emotion, uh, and it can always, or it will always end in tragedy when you do that. And the reason it will is because your emotions can sway you all over the place. Uh, in my life of uh, being a pastor and dealing with missionaries, uh, I have witnessed many missionary casualties. Now, you may not be aware of these things, uh, but missionaries go out on the field, they're excited to serve Christ. They're, they're excited to go out into uh, one case is New Tribes Mission, a very worthy mission in its day, a wonderful mission, and they would send out many people into New Tribes, and people would just get excited, I'm going out to serve the Lord in, in a tribal situation, I'm going out to, to uh, give people the gospel of Christ, in many cases, naked people, savages that uh, can be turned to the Lord Jesus Christ down in South America, for example. And some of those people would serve just a very few years and then fall prey to what we would call a missionary casualty. This is a rough life. It's filled with hardship and disease. You can't bake an apple pie without taking 10,000 worms out of the apples. You, 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 you cannot be involved in drinking water unless it's purified 10 times because there are things in there that can kill you. And yet they go out full of zeal and they come back full of heartbreak and some never ever recover. So God wants people not to run on emotions but on his directives. And that's what we want to look at a little bit this morning is the directives of the church. What does God say to the church that would be you and I, those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, those of us who attend this place, what does God have to say to us as local church members? Well, go back with me to Colossians chapter 12, and we want to look at this together. Back in the book of Colossians chapter 12. <coughs> now, I will not deal with verses 1 and 2 because we would spend the rest of the morning on verses 1 and 2. But recognize this, because God gave his all, his son, you were not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain manner of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. God gave his only begotten son. And so what does God look for from us? 
to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We sang it this morning. Love so amazing, so divine, it demands my soul, my life, and my all. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't want part of you, the part that gets up on Sunday morning. He wants all of you all week long. Present your body a living sacrifice. And then he lets us know in verse 2, and don't be conformed, don't be pressed into the world's mold. Don't allow the world to make you something when you are supposed to represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you find the world pressing you? I find the world pressing me. I think of our finances in, in our home, uh, that um, the banking system of this world wants me to go online. I don't want to go online. I don't want my money floating in a wire in a building somewhere. I just don't want that. But they want me to. They want me to pay all my bills online. What are they doing? Well, in a, in a, in a humorous sense, they're trying to press me into their system. They want me this in their system of thinking. And I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. Some of you do that. That's fine with you. Uh, but for me, I just don't want to do it. And they're trying to press me. Now, on a very serious level, there are many other things that are happening to you and some to me that the world's trying to press me into their mold. They want me to think like them and to be like them. But I am otherworldly. I want to set my affections on things above. Because this stuff I'm leaving, perhaps very soon. This stuff I'm leaving. And so I want to make sure my focus is there and not, not here. Now I have to live here, and so I have to be involved, and I have to be alert, I have to watch, but I recognize that God does not want me to be fixed on the world. Then he says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed <clears throat> by the renewing of your mind. Now, how does that happen? Well, this is now what God wants from me, my mind, my thinking. God wants me to transfer my thoughts from this place to him and his word. And that's the directives that we have. And so God gives us his word from Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 1, through chapter 11, God gives us all the doctrinal or all the great theological treatises of his word. I think every Christian should read the New Testament through several times a year. That's where you live. This is where you are. This is, this is where you, uh, your habitation is in the New Testament. Uh, you read the Old Testament because it's God's word, it's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I recognize that. But we live in the New Testament. This is where God gives us our directives. Starting in Romans, go to the book of Jude. When you're finished, go back to Romans and read through the book of Jude again. Now, you can read the Psalms and the Proverbs and Isaiah. You can read all that, and it, it's God's word, and, and we're thankful God gave it to us. It shows us who he is and his purposes for his nation of Israel, for the Old Testament. But God wants us to make sure that we are zeroed in on a New Testament life. And Pastor Rob does that, does he not? He teaches from, he's going through the Old Testament, and he's comparing the scriptures with the scriptures in the New Testament. This is what God said to Israel. This is how it fleshes out, and this is how we live. And that's what we should do as well. And so God has given all this doctrine, all this theology to us in Romans 1 through 11, and then in, starting in verse 12, more or less, he says, and here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. And we're picking it up in chapter 
12 and verse 3. Here's how you serve Christ, the one who gave his all for you, the one whom you are to commit your life to. Here's how you serve him. First of all, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, you serve with humility. Serve with humility in chapter 12 and verse 3. Now, the men and I have been looking at these things on, on Saturday mornings, and when I knew it was my turn to speak, I thought this would be a great thing for us to go through as a church, just to be reminded. Now, most of you know this. It's nothing new here. It's something that's been on the pages of Scripture since the Apostle Paul wrote it. So it's not something new. We know what God wants from us, but let's read it again just to be, remind ourselves. First of all, we're to serve with humility. And you see that for, in verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man literally, a measure of faith. So God has given us all a measure of faith, and literally we're going to see this uh, perhaps tonight. These are spiritual gifts given to us by God. God has given each one of us a, a measure of faith wherewith he wants us to serve him. You're not like anyone else in this world. Isn't that great? I don't know much about this, but I am told there are no two sets of fingerprints alike. In the world, how can that be? And you know, faces aren't alike. There's a whole lot to work with, right? Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, a couple of ears, some mouths bigger than others, obviously. But think about the, 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 what a face is, and yet we all look different, don't we? It's unique, specific. It's the same when God gave you a spiritual gift. They're all the same gifts, but we all use them in a different manner. We all use them very, very differently. So God has given unto us all spiritual gifts, and God has given to us the, the knowledge and the wisdom to use them, and we'll see that as we go along, but he wants us to use them in humility. <clears throat> I'm a, I guess the word fan isn't right seems to have to do with sports, but uh, I highly respect uh, Charles Spurgeon, and I, I've read a lot of his books. Uh, he's just a brilliant guy, but I remember one time reading uh, when Charles Spurgeon, he was, of course, a great orator of the scriptures. He said, Whitfield, uh, John Whitfield, and John Wesley, he said, they may be able to preach the gospel better than me. He said, but they can't preach a better gospel. It's one of the greatest orators in the world uh, that, uh, since the time of the apostle Paul, perhaps. And he said, they can preach better than me. And he, apparently he wasn't a very um, excitable man. He was a dry man, but yet he said, someone else can preach the gospel better than me, but they don't have a better gospel. And it's the same for us. Some people use their spiritual gifts and they just seem to draw attention and have all kinds of uh, accolades paid to them, and you, you have the same type of spiritual gift, and yet it, people don't pay attention. It doesn't matter. You just serve with humility. God has given you that gift to serve him so that you can uh, use your spiritual gift in the way God has formed you and designed you and given you his, his word. He tells us to think soberly. Look at that, please, again, in verse 3. 
For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. The word soberly is interesting. It's a sound mind, sane. So you know what that means? A Christian who thinks highly of himself is insane. That's what it means. If you're a born-again believer and you think you're something special, you haven't read God's word. Then you'd know who you really were and what you really were and why Christ had to die for you just like he died for Adolf Hitler. Just like he died for the most wicked person on the planet, he had to die for you as well because you're just as wicked. It's the heart. It's the heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And that's in everyone. It's not just in the people that we perceive to be the most wicked. It was you. If you were the only person on the planet, he would have had to die for you. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it's insane to think you're really something special. You're not. You're not. Christ died for you. That made you special. But you're not special outside of him. You're a child of the king, of course. So when talking about um, serving the Lord with humility, recognizing that I'm part of a team. I'm not special. I'm part of a unit. I'm part of an organization. Turn with me to Galatians for a moment. Keep your hand here. We're coming back. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Paul lets the churches at Galatia. This would be in the middle section of what we know to be Asia. <clears throat> We're in uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Several churches there that Paul made journeys to. Monday night we'll be looking at that, first Monday in January. Uh, Galatians, chapter 6. Look with me, please, first at verses 1 through 3. Brethren, if a man, talking in the church here, these are believers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, and the term there, you that are presently spiritual, you're walking with the Lord, see? That guy... That poor guy, whoever he may be, that poor woman, she has fallen into sin of some sort, overtaken with a fault. It's washed over them. Now, they've allowed it for sure, but this sin has sort of washed over them. You who are spiritual, presently spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You see that? Someone else is hurting. They've fallen into sin, and you see it. And right now, you're doing all right with the Lord. You know what God's word says, and, and you see them in their sin, and you, you should help them. Why? Because you could fall into the same business. Oh, not me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You say, I would never do that. No matter what it is, you are capable of doing it, no matter what it is. There's not a sin that you're beyond. There's not one. Was, there's things like, I, I like to think I would never do those things again that I didn't do when I was, uh, that I did when I was unsaved. I, I like to think, oh, I'm way beyond that. No, you're not. No, you're not. You need to be very careful. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted into that type of sin. Notice, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this person has a heavy burden. I have to help them lift it up. Why, they can't carry it right now. They need my help. So I'm helping them to carry it. I'm not carrying it for them. They need to straighten it out. They need to work on it. But I'm carrying it with them. 
I'm helping them. Bear one another's burden. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Is that not a great scripture passage? If a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Essentially, you help the brother, he's, he's overtaken in a fault. You help him. Listen, if he doesn't get it right, he's going to bring that before the Lord. But you also have to bring your burdens before the Lord. You also. That's why we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Why? Because God has given us all his grace, his spirit, his perfect will so that we can uh, do his word through the spirit of God and we can uplift one another and not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So first thing we need to recognize is we need to serve with humility. I read a little thing. I just want to read this to you. Hopefully I can get through it and you'll understand it when I'm done. A young schoolboy was trying out for a part in the school play. His mother knew that he had set his heart on it, though she was afraid he would not be chosen for the part. On the day the parts were awarded, she drove to school to pick him up, and the young lad rushed up to her, eyes shining with pride and excitement. Then he said some words to her that should remain a lesson to us all. He said, I have been chosen to clap and cheer. Isn't that good? Listen, brother, you may not get the main part, but you've been chosen to clap and cheer. We all have a part. Yours might not be that. Yours may be this. God has chosen you out to serve him, and you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're to serve with humility. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I heard a statement one time, pride is the only disease that makes everyone else sick except the guy that has it. And that's good. It really does. You know, we, we recognize that, listen, we're part of a unit. We're part of a team. And God has chosen us out to serve him as part of that team, not as an individual above the team, but just a part. Now, if the great apostle Paul recognized this, I think you and I need to claim on board. When you say, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look, please, with me in verse uh, 5. Remember the Corinthians, they were all caught up with people. I was baptized by this guy. I, I was baptized. I did this. I did that. They're all caught up with that. And Paul lets them know, uh, listen, the people that you're bragging on here, to use the vernacular, the people you are excited about that you are aligning yourself with, do you know who they are? Well, here's who they are. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul said, I planted. Paul dug the furrow, dug the furrow. He, he, he dug the ground, tore it up. He was the, the missionary into the, the areas of the world, Corinth, for example, uh, and, and Macedonia and Achaia. He was the first one to get in there as a missionary pastor, and he dug the ground up and he planted a seed. Apollos came along. And Apollos, he says, I have planted, and Apollos watered. Apollos comes along and he puts the water on the seed. It's figurative speaking, 
speech, you recognize this. He puts the water in and the seed starts to grow. Who was most important? You say, well, the guy who planted the seed. No. Well, it's the guy who watered the seed. Seeds don't grow without water. It's the guy who watered the seed. No. Who was it? It's God who gave the increase, you see. Members of team, one guy had his job, the other guy had his job, but God's the one who uses and puts the functioning together. He says in verse 7, So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. So no matter what part of the team you are, God wants to use you as part of the team to honor him. No matter what part of the team you are, but notice verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth the one, and every man, uh, let me read that, and every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. Whatever God has put you in, whatever position God has put you in within the body of Christ, you're going to be rewarded for serving him in that. And your reward will be no less or no greater than the greatest Christian you have ever met. It's equal. It's equal. If you serve him with all your zeal, you'll receive the rewards that think of some of the saints that have gone on before us or who are still around us. Think of, I think of Spurgeon, great man of God, taught to tens of thousands of people. If you're faithful doing whatever it is God has given you to do, you'll receive a reward that's equal to and comparable with him. Why? Because you're serving the Lord. And he's not a respective person. Oh, Spurgeon, he's going to get a biggie, you know? No, no. We're equal. Why? Because we're all part of a team, all part of a body. Look at verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's cultivated field. You are God's building. So God has a plan for us, for you and for me, and he wants us to make sure that we're serving according to his word. You often have people say, well, what does God want me to do? Well, you're looking at the wrong place. You've got to look on the pages of the scriptures to know. It, it, it's, it's him. I'll go out in the woods and think about it. No. I'm going to go to the top of the Prudential Center and sit there and think about God. You're no higher there than you are when you're here. See? You need to get into the word and look to see what God has to say. And so God wants us to serve with humility. With all, all those of us who have presented our body a living sacrifice unto the Lord, wholly acceptable. And by the way, I love this part. It's only a reasonable service. I'm a big deal, you know. I gave my life to the Lord. No, you're not. That's only reasonable to give your life in service. So God wants us to make sure that we're serving him and serving him with humility, recognizing who you are. Now, I'm going to share this with you because you'll understand. Part of my responsibility in my household, part of it, I have many responsibilities as the husband and head of my household, but part of my responsibility is to bring out the trash. Now think about this for a minute. I am a child of the king. I am in the ministry for over 30 years. I am a senior on the mission board of the Grace Dental and Medical Mission. I am a big deal. <laughs> and I have to bring out the trash. And sometimes it's dark when I'm bringing out the trash. 
early in the morning, and then there are raccoons out there in the trash barrel. You know that some people, they think that they are above anything, when the fact is you ought to thank the Lord that you're worthy of doing anything. See? We're not the big deals that sometimes we think ourselves to be. We are in the eyes of the Lord because we've received him as Savior. We're children of the King. But as far as our position here, we're part of the body. And so God wants us to recognize that. Back with me to Romans chapter 12 now. I'm part of the body of Christ. God wants me to serve just like a body would serve. Individual parts of the body serve its head. And so we're back in Romans chapter 12. Paul tells us that first of all, we're to serve with humility, Romans 12, verse 3, and now we're to serve with unity. Isn't that great? Unity. That is, we're part of a body. Look, if you would, please, at verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. So we're to serve with unity. We're, we're, we're a body, a unity. And of course, the head of the body is Christ. You can see that from the book of Colossians very, very plainly. We're to serve with unity. Why? Because we're part of this wonderful body that God says is the body of Christ, the church itself. Uh, you may not be uh, you know, a recognizable part of the body. I have things inside me that I, I don't know exactly what they look like. A spleen and kidneys and there's things inside of me. I really don't know what they look like. I, I have uh, dissected deer before because I, uh, I'm a great hunter. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've taken deer apart and I thought, well, I think this is the liver. It looks like it. And some people eat that. Oh, man. I think but, you know, I, I know what some of the parts look like. But there's parts inside of me I have no idea. But I know I need them. They're, 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 they're there for a reason. And so you may not be a, a recognizable part. You may not be up here and, and addressing, and I know him, he's the guy who stands up, and I know him, he's the pastor. I, you may not be that person, but you're equally as important to the body as the pastor is. You're an integral part of this body. Why? Because Christ is the head of the whole thing, not us. Now, we've been given a responsibility as, a, as Pastor Rob is the pastor, uh, our elders, we've been given the responsibility to, to shepherd the church, but we're under the chief shepherd, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, who's Christ. So make sure you're not lording it over God's heritage because you're going to give account to the chief shepherd, Peter says, to the elders there in 1 Peter chapter 5. But we're to su- serve in unity as a body. Turn with, keep your hand, we're coming right back. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul uses the same Analogy, of course, to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm to serve, first of all, with humility. Then I'm to serve with unity. Remember, this is all coming from God's word because God has given us direction. We're not in this world. We can, we can fight for direction. Why? Because uh, of the way the world is, 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 is just gearing up. It's hard to understand it all but not in the scriptures. 
I, I don't need to, to fight for direction when I'm seeking those things above. I've been given the direction. I've been given the direction that God wants me to go in, and it's all revealed here. When uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll just pick it up in verse 12, and you can follow through this and read through this, uh, starting uh, you know, when, we, when you get home. But notice in verse 12, for as the body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that body being many uh, are one body, so also is Christ. So we're talking about the body of Christ. He's the head, Colossians tells us. He's the head of the church, the head of his body, the church. So we're part of that body. You may be an appendage. Uh, you, you can be anything within the body, but you're part of that body, and the Holy Spirit placed you where he wanted you. Oh, I wish I didn't have this gift, I wish I was part of this, I wish I was more important than I am. It wasn't up to you. It wasn't up to you. The Spirit of God gave you a spiritual gift when you believed on the Lord Jesus, and we see that in verse 13, for by one Spirit were we all baptized or placed into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, bond or free, and have all been made to drink from this drink unto one Spirit. <coughs> In chapter 12, verses 1 and following, the Spirit of God gave you a spiritual gift. And there are people that are seeking all kinds of things outside of the, of the parameters of the Spirit of God. I wish I had the gift of prophecy. By the way, prophecy has ceased. It's off the scene. The scriptures have been completed. But I wish I had the gift of doing miracles. By the way, the miracles, sign miracles have ceased. They're, they're off the scene. But people are always looking for the showy gifts. I never, I've never, in my life as a Christian, I've never heard anyone ask for the gift of giving. Why? Why is that? Well, because you're supposed to give and no one knows how much. Huh? Now, if there was a showy gift of giving, like remember in the Lord Jesus when he went into the, um, the treasury up on the Temple Mount, the first room going in was the treasury. And men would come up to give their gifts to the Lord. This is not what the Lord wanted. It was not his intention at all, but this is how men twist things sometimes. They began bringing a marching band with them before they gave. Literally. Blowing trumpets. Here comes the big wig. Carrying his bag of money. And what would people gather around so he'd throw his money in the treasury? And by the way, it was a big, it was kind of a circular thing, and they dumped their money into it, and it would go down beneath the temple floor, down underneath the temple is where the, the, all the treasuries of the temple were kept, and it was dispersed among the whole nation. But here comes so-and-so, the big deal. And what did Jesus say? No, no. Don't be like them. See that woman over there? She gave all she had. Two mites. She gave more than those people. See, we need to recognize that God, we're all part of the body. You've been given a spiritual gift, and maybe you're not in a place where people see you. That's not important. What's important is that you're serving the Lord and functioning with what you have. You're not looking to better yourself because you're not going to get any better. You'll grow in wisdom and grace and knowledge. How? By the word of God. But in stature, that's not going to happen. Why? Because God has given you a spiritual gift, who you are, and to do it with what you have, always based upon his word. So we're to serve in 
uh, unity, together, together. You're, you're part of the body. We need you. See, my spiritual gift is not for you. I mean, for me, it's for you. I think of the gift of teaching, for example. If I were to study all week long, close my door, and give myself an, a, a wonderful sermon, first of all, there'd be a lot of amens, <laughs> and I'd be doing it, and then there'd be a cash reward at the end of it, right, for doing that. Listen, your gift is not, my gift is not for me, it's for you, and your gift is not for you, it's for me. It's to serve. It's a unity thing. I'm a blessing to you. You're a blessing to me as you serve. And the whole body is functioning together. It's the oil that makes the machine run. It's the spiritual gift, the oil that makes the machine run. So I'm to serve with unity. We're all in this together. We're all serving together. We're all different parts of the body, yet we're all part of the body, and we all have a function. Keep going, spleen. Yay! You know, that type of thing. Why? Because that's the body working together. It's the whole body working together. And then we're to serve with purpose. Turn back with me again to the book of uh, Romans, chapter 12. We're to serve with purpose. What does it mean to serve with purpose? Well, I wanted us to see this uh, together because it's another, another important aspect of serving the Lord, purpose. And the purpose is to build one another up. The purpose is serving in unity, we're doing this together, but I am supposed to build you up and you are supposed to build me up. There's, there's no spiritual gift of complaining. There's none. I've, I've been, I looked at them all, there's none. There's no spiritual gift of complaining. There's no spiritual gift of griping. There's none. I, I, I looked them up, you, you cannot find those. What's the purpose? Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. There's a purpose in spiritual gifts, and that purpose is to, the scriptures tells us, to edify, to build one, an, one another up in the faith. Romans chapter 12, look with me please at verse 6. Having then gifts differing, everyone has a different gift that they use in a different way. The gifts are mentioned, and if you come back tonight, I want to show you what the spiritual gifts are. Well, even if you don't come back, I'm going to show whoever's here what the spiritual gifts are that God mentions very plainly in the scriptures. But I want us to see that God wants us to serve with purpose. The reason I have that spiritual gift is not to go down there somewhere and do something. It's to be here and do something. It's not for those out there. It's for those in here. Now, the spillover of that, of course, is helping. With what, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. What's the rest of that? but especially the household of faith. See, I, I'm to help the world. You know, the girl's ringing the, the, the bell when I go out. When I'm going in, she says, Merry Christmas. She, she knows I'm coming out the same doors, right? And I put something in there. I'm trying to do good to all men. But the focus of my giving is not the bucket. It's the offering plate. Now, I'm not saying that, understand, to rile you up. I'm saying that, where's God want my focus? Things above, not things of the earth. I can give away all that I have. Remember it says that in the book of 1 Corinthians, though I give away all that I have and have not love, and I take that to be the love of the body of Christ, the love of Christ, though I give it all away, it's what? 
just wood, hay, and stubble. It's not, it's not what God's looking for. So I'm to serve with purpose. And uh, in uh, Romans chapter 12, look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that are given unto us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with liberal, liberality. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The purpose is to build up the body. The purpose is to put the oil in the machine so that body will run more fluently. And what machine is that? It's the machine called the Cornerstone Church. That's the machine. It's the body of Christ. It's you and I meeting together, building one another up. All of us have at least one spiritual gift God expects us to use here to serve him, and that's what the Lord's looking for. If you are available tonight, you'd like to come out, we'd love to have you, and we're going to continue tonight to look at just what God says about those uh, or these spiritual gifts. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time, a time where we could briefly look at this introductional section of Romans chapter 12, and that you want us to serve uh, with humility, with unity, and with purpose. Father, you've given us spiritual gifts. You've given us uh, not only the spiritual gift, you've, you've, you've showed us what, you've told us the how, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do it. We're not on our own. We don't have to make things up. All we need to do is read your word. We don't have to search for an answer. All we need to do is read your word that gives us the answer. Father, help us to walk in the power of the Spirit of God so that we would not be swept up with this world's anxiety. Help us to keep on seeking those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of the Father. Help us to set our affections on things above and not below. Father, help us to use our spiritual gifts. Help us to be a witness this holiday season. Help us not to be victims, but victors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time. We pray, Lord, you'd bless our hearts together as we sing together, as we're united together, that Christ would have the preeminence, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Father, I pray that you'd help us to make sure that we're fixed upon you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.